Dear congregation, the Lord has richly provided for you in many ways as a congregation. And you speak of that together, don't you? Of how the Lord has provided and how good the Lord has been and how much you have received that you may continue as a congregation, that the Lord adds to you as a congregation, children who are born and others, that the Lord spares you from divisions which would break the congregation apart, and that you may be bound together, that you may have office bearers whom the Lord has provided to care for you, that the Lord also gives regular supply of the pulpit week by week, that you also have a building, this building, and you soon hope to have it as your own, and that in some months from now you hope to receive a pastor of your own who cares for your souls. And we can go on. How many gifts the Lord has given. And they are such a mercy, aren't they? All of them. We must thank God for every one of them because they are all just that. They're gifts of God. They're not thanks to us. They're not a justification of ourselves and our own goodness or rightness. They're only merciful gifts from God. What reason to give God thanks. To give God thanks and also raises this question. Receiving these gifts, does it make you the more prayerful? Does it make you the more prayerful to God? Thanking Him, but also seeking all the more from God for yourself and for others. Knowing my own heart, how easily when when the Lord gives many things, a, a sense of complacency can settle in. But instead, it should make all the more prayerful or not for even more. That we would never think, then, then we'll be set, in January we'll be set. All God's gifts are to lead us back to him. That prayerful dependence on him and that longing to see him do greater things yet. And we find a prayer like that at the end of Psalm 28, which we have read. It's a very brief prayer. There's only four petitions but it is so full and so fitting for the church today. Save thy people and bless thine inheritance. Feed them also and lift them up forever. What we have here is pray, prayer for the shepherd's blessing or praying for the shepherd's blessing. First, the flock. Second, the blessing And third, the shepherd. Praying for the shepherd's blessing, the flock, the blessing, and the shepherd. In our theme, we have shepherd because the word there translated as feed 
in verse, in verse 9 can also be translated rule as it has in the margin, but it, it is the work of a shepherd. So this is a prayer to a shepherd to do things. And if there is a shepherd, then a shepherd must have sheep. Otherwise, he is no shepherd. Who are these sheep? We know that the psalmist is one of the sheep, isn't he? He, after all, said in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall fear no evil. And yet, when you read this psalm, he is full of fear, isn't he, at the beginning? He is, he is in, certainly in great distress. He feels like he is, he is in this powerful river and he's afraid of being drawn away, verse 3, with the wicked and the workers of iniquities and that he would just be swept along with them and that he would then plunge into destruction down that waterfall and into a pit. He, he feels that or he sees that their end is destruction and he, he's afraid of, of being just swept along and he, he prays that God would be his, his rock, would be lifted onto that rock of safety in the midst of all that surging stream and he would not be gathered with the wicked. He is in danger and he knows he needs God. And then in verse 6, there's such a transition, isn't there? Blessed be the Lord, which hath heard the voice of my supplications. In my need, I cried unto God, and God heard the voice of my supplication. And therefore, blessed be God, praise be God, thanks be to God. And now, you may sing of God and who he is as his strength and his shield. You may thank and praise and then, and then you're all set. And then you don't need to pray anymore. No, notice, his prayer becomes far greater at the end than at the beginning. He prays, save thy people, bless thine inheritance, feed them also, and lift them up forever. The psalmist knows this shepherd as the one who saves, who blesses, who feeds, and who lifts up. And his prayer continues to be to this shepherd to do these things. You never, ever outgrow dependence on the shepherd, no matter what cries he has heard and what he has done. Naturally, we only need God in the midst of danger, personal danger. And when God delivers us from that personal danger, then we're set and we go on in life and, and prayer fades away. But when God delivers us and in a way that shows us who he is, then that changes our hearts and it only makes them the more prayerful to this God. And what's striking is that this prayer is no longer just about himself, but about others. 
He doesn't end with save me, but thy people, not bless me, but thine inheritance, and not just feed me, but feed them, not just lift me up, but lift them up forever. It begins so personally, and it ends so broadly. And those two are related, aren't they? When the Lord shows you your own personal need, then you begin to look at other people differently as well. And you realize they also have that need. They also are sinners, and they also need a Savior, and they also need a shepherd. Otherwise, they wander to their destruction. As the Lord shows you your need, which makes you see others with different eyes. And the more your own need may weigh upon you, and the more you may know he is the one who delivers in that need, the more the need of others may also weigh upon you. And then it's no longer just a formal prayer, Lord, Lord, bless everyone in need, and Lord, bless thy church in general. And, but you send, yes, that's what they need. We need And it's receiving from the Lord who hears your cry personally for the grace that you need personally, which also makes generous in praying for others as well, doesn't it? Because you know there isn't just a little bit of supply in God, just enough to meet your own need. No, you know that if there is supply in God for your need and there is grace in God for a sinner like you, then there, there is an abundance of grace and it's an abundance so great that it's enough also for all those others as well. You know then that in him there is a fullness that can never be exhausted and so it makes you generous in praying not only for yourself but also for others that you want others to also share in this same grace, in this same blessing that you may receive and you may taste. The psalmist has an eye not just for himself but for the people And that grows out of his own personal experience. And so those are two things that are so related. That very personal, Lord, me, also me. Not just the general, but the me so personally. But out of the me also comes the Lord, bless them as well. That's also why we gather together, isn't it? Yes, we are to have closet prayer all alone, but we also come together and we pray together through the voice of one who leads that prayer, but it's a prayer of the congregation and it's a prayer for us as a congregation, as a whole, and also beyond. Notice how how there is this prayer for thy people and thine inheritance as a whole. Who are these thy people? Who are these thine inheritance? And we may tend to think that these are, well, these are God's people. These are God's children. These are those who are saved. These are those who but when we, when we read in the Old Testament that expression, thy people, then we see that 
in, in one sense, it is broader, isn't it? Think of Moses in Deuteronomy 4, verse 20, where he says, But the Lord hath taken you and brought you forth out of the iron furnace, even out of Egypt, to be unto him a people of inheritance, as ye are this day. He's speaking to the people in the wilderness, that great multitude in the wilderness. And what type of people were they? We know that with many of them, God was not well pleased, and many of them had died in the wilderness, and yet God called them my people, mine inheritance. What does he mean by that? He means he had come to them, and he had separated them from the nations of the world to belong to him, and he had placed his name upon them, that they were to be for him. My people. He had established that covenant bond with them, and he had also come to them with his promises of grace. There in the wilderness. At the same time, we know many God was not pleased. With many of them, God was not well pleased. Psalm 106 later sings, also about the exile, therefore was the wrath of the Lord kindled against his people, insomuch that he abhorred his own inheritance. And yet, he calls them my people, mine inheritance. And so clearly this is not a prayer only for those who are God's true people, who know him as their God in a saving way, but this is a prayer that is for, can I say, the visible church as it, as it is spread throughout the world and as it gathers also here. It's a prayer for all who belong to the church, the whole congregation. And congregation, is that also what fills our prayers? Not just me, not just my family, not just my friend over there, but thy church. And begin here, the whole congregation. That that is our prayer for the whole congregation. And you look around on a Lord's Day morning, there's all those different people, here or not here. And some of them you're more drawn to, and others it's a little more difficult to be with, perhaps, I don't know. Some you think really, you're so like-minded, and others perhaps you're concerned about what they think sometimes. There's some who you see the grace of God in so clearly. There's others who you have your concerns about spiritually. Others who show no evidence of the grace of God in their hearts and lives. You see younger ones, children, young people, elderly ones, ones in the midst of life. You see them all. And is your prayer for them all. Not just the ones you're inclined towards, but the congregation as a whole. Lord, bless the whole congregation 
them all, because they're all called by thy name. They are all set apart for thee. Bless them all, whoever they be. Is that also how we are as office bearers? That we are truly office bearers that have a heart for the whole congregation and care for them all and pray for them all, whoever they be. Why pray for them all? As I said, they are thy covenant people set apart from this world to belong to God. They've all received that name of God upon their forehead. His claim is upon them. His promises towards them. He has privileged them all over the billions of others in this world. Lord, bless them all. And if that's our prayer for the congregation, then we cannot limit it to the congregation. Grace makes a person Catholic. No, not Roman Catholic. Grace makes a person Catholic in the truest sense of the word, that it gives you a concern for that church. You confess every Lord's Day, I believe in holy Catholic church, a church which is spread throughout this world. Lord, bless thy, thy people. Bless thy church throughout this world, wherever it be. That there is that care for the visible church as it is. Not just those congregations around us that we feel very one with. But beyond that, it's a prayer for that flock wherever it may be. In places where it's being persecuted, in places where there's freedom, in places where there is such a spiritual decline, and in places where that church is beginning to grow and you see such clear evidences of the work of the Spirit, in places where there is such deformity and deformation, and in places where there is reformation, yet there is this prayer, Lord, bless thine inheritance wherever it be throughout this world. Bless it, Lord, for thy name is on it. Bless it to the glory of thy name. Now, what are we then praying? Are we not praying that those who are called by God's name would truly know that name and the blessing that is in that God and have that saving bond with that shepherd of the flock and live out of him. That's why the psalmist in Psalm 106 prays, Remember me, O Lord, with the favor that thou bearest unto thy people. O visit me with thy salvation, that I may see the good of thy chosen, that I may rejoice in the gladness of thy nation, that I may glory with thine inheritance. There again you have those same names for the same flock, but there the psalmist realizes there's more to being part of this flock than being called by his name and being separated in in an outward way. He, He desires to enjoy the true blessing of those who know the favor of this shepherd. 
What does that involve? That's our second point. The blessing. Praying for the shepherd's blessing. There are four brief and yet full petitions here. And the first one is simply this. Save. Save. Rescue. Deliver. Deliver. It's so brief. But it's a brevity of earnestness. Sometimes the greater your need becomes, the shorter your prayers become. And they can all boil down just to one word. Save. Or have mercy. Or whatever it be. And that's not the repetition that the Lord Jesus speaks of in, in Matthew 6. Use not vain repetitions. You think you'll be heard for your much speaking. But it's the simplicity of need. Save us. You think of a ship that's going down. It sprung a leak and it's going down. And what did they used to do? They used to send out that signal. S-O-S. S-O-S. And people have called that save our souls. But it was that message, save us. It wasn't a lengthy prescription of what must all happen and what was all happening. It was just this. Here we are in our need. Save us. That's the prayer here. Save us from sin. We sang it, didn't we? Help us, O God, of our salvation for the glory of thy name. For thy name's sake, come and save us. Take away our sin and shame. Save us from that terrible force and guilt of sin. Save us from death. Hear, O Lord, my supplication. Hear and save me ere I die. Save those about to die, we sang. Save us from death. Save us from our spiritual enemies, from all that pursue me. Oh, save and defend. Lest they, like a lion, would rend me at will while no one is near me. They're raging to still. Save us. Oh, congregation, is that our prayer? For ourselves, for the congregation, for, for the church. Lord, there's so many things that would drag us down to death. Save us. Do we feel the urgency of this? Do we feel the reality of death, of sin, of those enemies? We're no, we're, we're no match for them. And we cry out, save us. From sin and every danger, from sin and its consequences, amid all the dangers that face the church, whether they be persecution or whether it be error or whether it be the world or whether it be some other devices of Satan, Lord, save us from them all. 
Amidst all the spiritual dangers and all the physical dangers that face us as a congregation and personally, Lord, save us. Here's a prayer God gives us to pray. Pray this. It's in his, his book of psalms or prayers. Save thy people. And also, bless thine inheritance. If save is the one side of the, the golden piece of grace, then bless is on that other side of that golden coin of grace. Save is to be delivered from all that, that hurts and that dishonors God. And bless is to receive all the opposite. At the heart of that blessing, what is it? We often use that term, don't we? Bless. What is it to be blessed? What is it? Is it not to be in the favor of God? Is it not to have God with you and for you? Bless with thyself. That's the greatest blessing. Again, we speak of blessings, and even Scripture speaks of different blessings. But the heart of them all is this, to have the light of God's favor upon you. Then you are blessed, no matter what happens in your life, and what joys or griefs you may go through in life. Then you're blessed. Lord, bless thine inheritance. O God, to us show mercy and bless us in thy grace. Cause thou to shine upon us the brightness of thy face. What more can we desire as a congregation than not just the lights that are above us, but the light of God's face upon us? Bless us. Fulfill those covenant promises. Be our God of grace and let us know the favor that thou bearest to thy people. Bless us. Long the clouds of evil lower. Bless us now with gladsome days. What are they? Let thy servants see thy power. Let their children learn thy praise. Bless us with this blessing. How rich. Strengthen us for noble duty that our work be not in vain. And out of that blessing of the favor of God is then the prayer, Lord, Lord, establish the work of our hands. Bless us in the work of our hands. Bless us in our daily work as we go about. Bless us in our homes as we are there as parents and children together, in our relationships together. Bless us in our, our, our callings that we have outside the home. Bless us also in all the activities of the church as we gather in the worship services. Lord, bless so that we wouldn't just leave the worship service and say or have a comment about the sermon. That we would leave with the blessing of God filling us. That, those, that word that is preached would be the means, the channel through which the blessing of God flows. And that in Sunday school, as we, we hear as children about the story, it wouldn't just be, oh, I know that story, or oh, I, I don't remember this story. 
but that we would be blessed by that word so that it would draw our hearts out unto God. Bless us as we gather as young people. Bless us as we gather as men or as ladies. Bless us that the focus is this, that God would use all those different means as means through which he draws us to himself, to know his favor and his blessing. Bless us. Let thy blessing pour upon us from above, for our soul, for our mind, for our body, for our families, for our congregation, and let this blessing pour upon the whole church. By church, I don't just mean this congregation, but the Christ church throughout this world. Bless us now with gladsome days. Bless. And also, feed. As I said, it's a word for what a shepherd does. And a very important aspect of that work is indeed to feed. To feed. Because apart from this shepherd and what he feeds with, we have no food for our souls. We're in death. We're in death. Or we're famished. But he's the one who feeds. He's the one who leads into the green pastures of his word. He's the one who leads beside the still waters to refresh, to revive spiritually. O oh, great shepherd, feed. Feed the flock gathered here and throughout the world. Feed with that choicest food of thy own self. What else does a shepherd do? Does a shepherd not, only, not also seek out those who go astray and bring them back, those who are lost, and bring them in? Shepherd, Lord, the church, see the wandering ones Bring them back. We don't just gossip about ones who have fallen into sin or have gone, gone wayward. We say, Lord, shepherd them. Be a shepherd to them and gather them in again to the glory of thy name. Seek out the lost as a good shepherd who had such a care for that one who went astray and he forsook all and he, he, he found it and he brought it back rejoicing. Shepherd in this way. Another aspect of the work of a shepherd is also to, to rule, to, to guide, isn't it? To, to lead in the right way. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. That's his promise. They shall follow me. Because he's such a great shepherd, he will ensure it. And this is the prayer also this morning. Lord, rule over the flock. Rule over this congregation. Rule over thy church throughout this world. Be the shepherd who guides and that there's a flock close to thee, following after thee, not going their own ways, not thinking their own ideas, not living their own lives, but who are governed by this blessed shepherd wherever they be, whatever circumstance, that their only question is, 
What wilt thou have me to do? Looking to that shepherd, following that shepherd. Lord, feed, gather, protect, and guide thy flock. Rule, rule us all. Rule by thy word and spirit to the glory of thy name. We can be so thankful that there are elders and we can be thankful to soon have a pastor, but there, our prayer is that they would only be means through which this great shepherd shepherds us. And that all the other pastors that there are would only be means through which that great shepherd shepherds others. They're only means. And that's the prayer that they would indeed be means through which this great shepherd shepherds his flock. Feed us, lead us, care for us, and bless us as that good shepherd. And lift up forever. What a petition. Lift up is a prayer for something that's on the ground. You bend down and you lift it up. Does the church need to be lifted up? Do we not see ones who have fallen down? Maybe sheep who have rolled over on their back and they're helpless there on the ground. And that we don't just gossip. But that we pray, Lord, lift up. Lift up that fallen sheep. And set it upon his feet to follow thee. It's a prayer for weary lambs who can't go on, feel they have no strength. That the great shepherd would fulfill his word. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom. Lord, lift up those who have no strength, maybe among us who have no strength to go on. You're overwhelmed. Lift them up in thy shepherding arm. Lift up is a prayer for those who are in the midst of trouble. They can't go on. Lord, lift them up. Hold them in thy arms. It's a prayer in the midst of all the dangers and all the, the attacks that there are and the assaults and, and that church can feel so weak in the midst of it all. But Lord, lift them up in thy mighty arms to keep them in the midst of all thy enemies which would seek to destroy them. Hold them in thy hand. As the, the Lord Jesus said in John 10, my, I, None shall pluck them out of my hand. They're in my hand. And this is a prayer, Lord. Lord, show they're in their, thy hand. Hold them there. Lift them up. One of the pictures of the church already in the early church was of a shepherd with that, that sheep on his shoulders. What a picture of the church. It's on the shoulders, lifted up by the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is a place of safety carried by him. And this is a prayer, Lord. Lord, lift up thy church. Lift up this congregation. Lift up thy church throughout this world that it may, may know itself to be upon the shoulders of the Lord Jesus Christ. But lifting up not only has a sense of, of picking up, but also so 
lifting up high, exalting. Exalt them. How high? We sing in Psalter 206, but he lifts the needy high where no evil shall annoy. Already now, O Lord, lift us up to thy throne. Isn't that the best place to be? Lift us up to thy throne to be there where no evil shall annoy. There where there is help and grace for time of need. There where there is that fellowship with thee. There where all is well. Lord, lift up thy church. That means that by nature we just go down. But lift us up, Lord. Lift up our hearts unto thy throne of glory. So that we wouldn't just go through the motions of a worship service. And we wouldn't just go through the motions of praying from day to day. Lord, lift up. Lift up thy church and gather it around thy throne. And then one day, lift that whole church to thy throne. To be with thee forever. To dwell with thee. The righteous he will high exalt and bring the wicked low. He has said what the end of the wicked will be, what the end of those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ in a saving way will be. It speaks of how they will end in destruction in the middle of this psalm, but it ends with that great contrast, but lift up thy people forever. Exalted by thy might from depths of desolation, they praise for air forever thy justice and salvation. Congregation, what more need we pray for? Then these things save, bless, feed, lift up forever. And with what less can you be satisfied? for yourself, for your family, for this congregation, and for his church throughout this world. Is this not what it's about? His salvation, his blessing, his shepherding, and his lifting up forever. Is this the burden of your prayer? The burden of your prayer for others, for the congregation, for the church. This is your desire. And if this is not the burden of your prayer for others, then is it the burden of your prayer for yourself? This grace, this blessing, this salvation. What reason there is for all of us to take these four petitions which God gives us in this text so that we would take them back to him. Save, bless, feed, lift up. Will he hear? Will he hear such prayers? Will he? Our final point is the shepherd. Why may we pray these things? It's because he's given us this prayer to pray. 
But why will he hear such prayers? It's not because we are good. It's not because we deserve it. Not because we're worthy in any way. Why did God give us these petitions to pray? It's because he knows what we are. Save us. That's the prayer of someone who can't help himself in the midst of the great danger that he's in. The ship that's nicely sailing through the calm seas doesn't issue at that cry, save us. It's a ship that's going down and can't deliver itself. Save us means we're helpless to save and deliver ourselves. Bless us. It means we're helpless to give ourselves that blessing. It also implies that that's not something that we naturally have. In fact, the word of God makes so clear that by nature we have the opposite of blessing and that's curse. Feed us, shepherd us. It means we're so ignorant and helpless we can't feed and rule ourselves. We, on our own, we only go in the way of death and so we need this shepherd. It says something about ourselves, doesn't it? Lift us up. It means God, when God gave us that petition to pray, he knows that left to ourselves, we just go down and down and down. God knows what we are like, and that's why he's given us petitions that exactly suit our needs. Why would he hear? Why would he hear these petitions? Is it not because of who God is? He's called in this psalm, the Lord, in capital letters, Jehovah, the I am that I am. He's the unchanging, faithful, covenant-keeping God. And he is the God who has placed that name Jehovah upon us, upon his church, wherever it be. And he knew those people he placed his name on were sinners, were helpless, were guilty, were unworthy, and yet he placed his name on them in order to glorify his name. He saves for his own name's sake. He delivers from sin and evil and bondage and danger and harm to show the glory of his power and of his grace in rescuing and delivering from those things. He saves to the glory of his name. He blesses for his own name's sake so that we would be filled with amazement at the riches of the blessing of the favor of God and that our hearts would be filled with love to him and that others would see that to belong to him is to be truly blessed. He does it to the glory of his name. He shepherds for his own namesake. He does it to show that there is no shepherd like him in all the earth. And that to belong to him as a sheep of him is to be blessed. He shepherds his flock and shows his work among them to the glory of his name. And he lifts up, is it not, for his own name's sake. 
He lifts and holds up in this life, and he one day will exalt to his very throne. And there, what will it all be? It will all be to the glory and the praise of his name to all eternity. Why has he given us these petitions to pray? He knows what we are, and he desires to glorify who he is in the midst of what we are. In answering this petition, he glorifies himself. And that is the great encouragement to pray these things for ourselves and for the congregation and for the church throughout this world. It's, it's, his name is upon us, and his name must receive glory. And it's glorified by his work in answer to prayer. Again, why? And again, how can he do these things? Is it not because of what Christ has done? God must answer these petitions in a way that glorifies him. We heard that from the Heidelberg Catechism. All his attributes, including his justice, must be, be satisfied for him to bring salvation. How can he answer these prayers? Save us. Is it not because Christ was not spared? Bless us. Is it not because Christ was made a curse? Feed us. Is it not because he cried out in agony upon the cross, I thirst? Lift us up. Is it not because Christ descended into the deepest agonies of hell? It's for Christ's sake God hears these prayers. Christ has earned and merited the answer to these prayers. That's why we may pray in Jesus' name. And again, when we ask, how does he hear? Is it not through his son today? His son who is now highly exalted. In a sense, Christ is the one who went into the destruction that we read of at the beginning of this psalm. And Christ is the one who was exalted highly. And Christ is the one who is now that great mediator at the right hand of God. And it's through Christ that he now gives the answer to these prayers that he as the living Savior saves and blesses and feeds as that shepherd who lives today and who lifts up in his arms today. Will he do so? And will God do so through him? There's one more aspect to this psalm which is so beautiful. We began by saying this is the, the prayer of the, the one who had gone through the depths and been brought to the heights and now prays for the church. And he does so as God's anointed. Notice verse 8. He is a saving strength of his anointed. His anointed Messiah. And is that not ultimately Christ? Christ who has gone through the depths and Christ who has been exalted to the heights. 
And is it not ultimately Christ who prays to the Father, save thy people and bless thine inheritance, feed them also and lift them up forever? Write it out. Is Christ not the great intercessor for all his people whom the Father has given him? Lord, save them, every one of them. Bless them, everyone. And lift them up forever to be with me where I am. He intercedes. He prays for his whole church. Is that not what gives encouragement and hope? As you pray for that whole church, for the congregation, in Jesus' name, amen. O Lord God, thou hast given us a prayer to pray. Save thy people. Bless thine inheritance. Feed them also and lift them up forever. How full so few words can be because they are full of thy work and of thy grace that addresses our every need in a way that brings glory to thee. We thank thee, Lord, that thine eyes go to and fro over all the earth and that thou dost know what we are and what we need, these four things, but also that thou art gracious to answer these prayers and to do these things. O Lord God, we pray. To, to give us that burden for thy whole church and then also a burden for the whole congregation for thee to be the shepherd who works gloriously and powerfully among us. And, O oh Lord, if, if we are still not having that concern for others, Lord, give us that concern for ourselves to see our own need of being saved and being blessed and having thee as a shepherd and being lifted up. Be, Lord, the shepherd of each one of us so personally by thy grace and spirit and also feed thy flock throughout this world. What a great shepherd thou art that dost have such a care and concern for each one of thy sheep. Show it, Lord, in the midst of whatever they go through and add many to the number of those who know thee as a sheep, F shepherd today. Receive our thanks, Lord, for thy word and use it to stir us up to prayer. We pray to receive our thanks for gathering us together in this morning. Keep us further in this day and hear us in mercy. For Jesus' sake, amen.